and welcome to Parallel, a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. I'm Shelley Brisbane, your host, and this is episode 71. This episode is brought to you by CrowdStrike. Side hustles. I have them. Lots of people have them. I've had them for as long as I can remember. And I know when I listen to uh, podcasts uh, from people who do uh, work on their own, they often talk about the self-employed only life. And I've been interested for a long time, especially in the past five years, since I've had a very demanding full-time job, uh, have been interested in how people manage both side hustles and full-time jobs. And so that's what my guests and I, and there are three guests today, uh, are going to talk about today. And I, I really have some some great people with me to tell me about the varieties of things they do in their life and how the heck they manage all of them. Uh, my first guest is Kelly Gamont, uh, maybe no, a former guest of Parallel. I can't remember how long ago that was, Kelly, but a long time ago you and I were on the show together. Uh, she is an IT consultant by day, a friend of the Rebel Alliance, you did get that in there, and an Apple communicator by day. Previously at Tuwa and the Mac Observer, she recently launched The Slice to continue talking about technology and sharing knowledge with others. Uh, Kelly, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's really great to have you back. Uh, and Allison Tedford is my second guest. She is a consultant and author who used to be a public servant and mommy blogger. She works in inclusive communication and has written five books in the past two years. Allison, I'm really tired and welcome to the show. <laughs> I'm tired too. <laughs> and uh, my third guest, Sarah Hockett, is a multi-passionate entrepreneur on a mission to be the supportive and action-oriented mentor she needed when she was trying to navigate feeling stuck, lost, and unhappy. She's now the founder of Sorry for Your Boss, a career coaching business, and Exploristory Studios, an audio storytelling business, and Resonating Designs, a product-based art business. Her side hustles have side hustles. That is quite apparent. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, you guys, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I need a nap just having heard all of those. <laughs> I know. I'm, it's, it's so great to have all of you because this is exactly where I want to be because there's a certain effortlessness that I think people tend to apply to talking about what they do, especially if they do one thing. And all of us do lots and lots of things. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And And I'd love just each of you to sort of give me a quick introduction to to your journey, how you became the sort of multifaceted work-related human. I'm sure that you have multi, multiple facets that have nothing to do with work, but as far as work goes, how do you end up becoming a, a multifaceted human? And, and Allison, let's start with you. Sure thing. Um, I was a public servant for a decade, and I was finding, I was feeling really uninspired. I had people in my life who were encouraging me to start writing and blogging. So I started a mommy blog, and that ended up growing into guest posting, freelance writing, and being connected with a publisher who had a um, digital marketing firm. So she ended up hiring me as a subcontractor to run social media accounts. And I very quietly in the background ended up growing a side hustle that was bigger than my day job. And I decided I didn't want to work two jobs full time anymore. And so I left my public servant life. But, um, I mean, I've come full circle in that I'm starting a part-time job on Monday, which I'm very excited about, but I will still be serving clients and doing my thing as I do. Very cool. So, uh, part-time job, probably not quite as stressful as having somebody expect you to be there 40 hours a week, but even so, somebody else is demanding your time now. 
There are no cubicles and no pants required. So it's still. Well, there's a show title right there. Right there. I I think that when I'm actually coaching, I wear pants. But um, yeah, I'm going to be doing some writing and some coaching with a business coaching uh, school. So I'm very excited about that as a a staff member, Um, but also maintaining my own clients. Kelly, talk about your journey. You've worked on uh, Apple-related websites for forever, but that is not the job that has has paid your bills. And h- how did you end up doing all the, the many sort of things that you have been doing for the past few years? Uh, well, the, the commentary side is primarily because I really like to talk. And what happened was I wanted to write for the unofficial Apple weblog many years ago, <clears throat> worked for a company that was a publicly traded company that happened to make Apple software. So um, like the, there was like an official conflict of interest, so I wasn't allowed. And uh, that company helpfully laid me off about six months after I had said I wanted to actually, I, I'd actually tried to write for Tua. And then, um, so I started doing that. And then uh, it was never full time, but I was able to uh, pick up another day job. And so I always just sort of kept them separate and sort of wrote for Tua whenever I could. And then at one point started showing up to do the podcast on Sunday nights, which was a live recorded sort of situation. And then after showing up enough Sunday nights, it turned into, well, Kelly, how about if you just host it and then like other people can show up as they want to. Um, and that was mostly how I got started with podcasting was um, just showing up to sort of talk about the news of the week and found that that was much more my preferred format. And so uh, I ended up continuing to continuing to do that. And then um, as Tua ended up sort of winding down, uh, like we could tell the writing was on the wall, so to speak. And uh, I got an offer to sort of help hold down the fort at the Mac Observer on a short term basis, which turned into a long term basis that only ended uh, last month. And so now um, and so I've always had kind of the full time job over on the side and then done something else um, in addition, because I just really like the Apple commentary piece of it and getting to getting to talk to other people about how they use their devices and stuff. Like I like basically all technology. Like if it charges with a USB cable and it's got an LED on it anywhere, I'm there. And, uh, and like helping people with that stuff, explaining that stuff to people is just something that I've always done personally and professionally, like as far back as I can remember. Cause I was always the kid that was good with computers and always, uh, able to like, I always knew more about what everybody's computer could do than they did. And so people would ask me questions and I always kind of, uh, had either had an answer or had 15 minutes to sit down and figure out what the answer was going to be so I could help them get it done. So, um, that like it turned into my day job cause I did tech support for a lot of years. And then, uh, was able to turn that into IT consulting because when you know, when you carry around that much technology knowledge in your brain, it's really nice to be able to apply it a little more at a, at a slightly larger scale. So um, I've been doing that ever since and just been able to continue to podcast in various ways because like I do, uh, you know, Apple podcasting, but also uh, I have a show about the Marvel shows on that the Marvel streaming shows on Disney Plus. So I do that over at the Incomparable, and and uh, Don Melton and I have a show about Westworld. When there's Westworld on the air, we talk about that. So um, I just sort of 
accidentally ended up kind of doing all these other podcasts as well. So, um, but it's, it's a lot of fun and I, I love it. I really wanted to be a DJ when I was a kid. Like that was my dream job was to get to be somebody that played records on the radio all day. And like neither of those is really a going concern anymore. So podcasting is kind of the best I can do. Well, you and I have a ridiculous amount in common, as we'll we'll get to, because uh, my oh, yes. day job is radio now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, and, then, and then you've got this new thing, the slice. What's that? Yeah, well, um, I couldn't not keep talking about Apple, basically. And so I was looking for a good name and the slice uh, sort of came out of like Apple slices, which are, you know, a known quantity, but also um like the amount of information that you need. So like right at the top of the article, there's like the, the tiny slice. And then you can read the article to get more detail if you want to. And if it's something that we expand on further and I, I do a podcast about it, it's, there's a whole lot of gray area and I haven't thought about it yet and haven't nailed it all down. But I started with um, like, this is the idea that I have. This is what I want to be doing. And uh, it was the week before the Apple event on March 8th. And so then a friend of mine texted me and said, well, you're going to have you're going to have something ready to go for the Apple event. Right. Because, you know, it's an Apple event. And that's kind of when everybody wants to find out what you have to say. So uh, I kind of shoved it out the door and it's not all done yet. And it feels really weird that it's unfinished. But now it's 1.0. So I can continue to iterate. And uh uh, as if there are other slices I want to consider, then I'll have, you know, a, a slice of comic books or a slice of movies or, you know, a slice of anything else I want to talk about. So I like the idea of being able to expand it and uh, we'll see how it goes. So cool. Lots of stuff going on with you. So, Sarah, tell us tell us about your life, which is it's clearly multifaceted from that biography I, I just read of you. But you, you, you do a lot of different, not only do you do a lot of things, but you do a lot of very different things, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I do. Um, I've always had, when I was still working for other people, I always had day jobs where I did a lot of things. And yet along the way, I started collecting side hustles. <laughs> so, I mean, I started my career in copywriting, which led to marketing. Um, I spent a lot of time in the nonprofit sector. I have done a lot of things just all across the board. My first ever side hustle was web design and marketing that I was doing alongside my day job. Um, but my day jobs were not always very kind to me. Um, I experienced a lot, a lot of work trauma um, and even in jobs that I actually loved, if, I'm, if you're not a cultural fit, hey, guess what? You're not a fit, um, even if you love the work. And that's something that I had to learn the hard way. And it's something that I had to learn the hard way over and over and over and over again, and sometimes in really painful ways. So um, again, my first side hustle was web design and marketing and things like that. My second side hustle was resin art. And I started doing the resin art when I was starting to hit some levels of burnout in a job that I was doing. And it gave me an escape. Um, it gave me the ability to think more creatively and um, just be for a minute. Uh, resin has about a 30 minute pot time. So it gave me the ability to think creatively. It made me better at my day job. Um, and I kept that always. And then all of a sudden I was doing it all the time and any, for any little free second. And I had a house full of resin art and I was like, oh shoot, we better find something to do with all this. So I started doing art shows and things like that. Um, and you know, I continued through several different, uh, job, like day jobs during that time. And then I found myself 
during some really rough times. And what I was doing during those times was listening to podcasts and audiobooks all the time when I was feeling bad. I would be in the like on my commute or driving to meetings or sitting at my desk uh, doing monotonous tasks and listening to podcasts, listening to audiobooks. So that was my next obvious side hustle. Um, I started an audio storytelling business and I now help others launch their podcasts, audiobooks, um, and I provide voiceover as well for a whole lot of random things um, from commercials to web comics and fun stuff like that. And um, as that evolved, it was like, well, look, like one, telling the story is the, is, is the very important part to me. Like when I started telling my own stories of work trauma, uh, that's when my healing journey began. So I always say like, I, you never know who is out there with a hole in the heart and a hole in their heart in the shape of your words. So I think that it's so important to tell that those real authentic stories so that we can connect with each other, whether that's for entertainment, for knowledge, or for just people not feeling so alone. Um, and then as I started to look at my life and career and what people came to me for, I started a side hustle where I was working to empower women. And I had you know, the podcast and the clients and all of that, the whole nine for about a year and decided that wasn't quite the right thing. And that's when Sorry for Your Boss was born. Um, I just really wanted to be the person that I needed. And sometimes it's the person who's not going to say, you just need to quit your job tomorrow. Because uh, that's not always feasible for everybody. Um, so I tried to just be the person that I needed. And Sorry for Your Boss is all about finding and defining success on your own terms. So not just the job side, but understanding what success means to you. Because for me, it does mean doing a lot of things. And I can't tell you how many coaches told me before, you can't, you can't have two businesses. You can't have three businesses. And I said, screw that. I'm going to do what I want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for side hustles because I think that there are so many benefits. And that's one of the things that I teach a lot of my clients. So with my Sorry for Your Boss clients, we work on a lot of things. We work on finding happiness where you are right now, because sometimes we can't leave those situations immediately. We work on, like I said, defining success on our own terms. We work on if you want to transition your job completely and do something totally different. Awesome. I work with a lot of multi-potentialites who have all of these things that they want to do and they don't know what actually goes in the basket to take forward with them. We work on those things. Um, and we work on starting your side hustle, creating an exit strategy, um, deciding to leap out on your own if that's something that you know feels right for you. So I do a lot of things, but all of those things come from years of being in a place where those were the things that I needed. And so I now want to provide all of those things from making your space a little bit prettier to making your life feel more like something that's aligned for you. It sounds like for you doing multiple things though, is important to your own sense of yourself. And I, you know, some people have one side hustle. Some of us have multiple ones, but is that for you, is that a big deal? Just being able to do different things and not having somebody say, okay, you're only doing resin art or you're only doing coaching or you're only doing storytelling. Absolutely. Um, I have always been someone who has had multiple interests and sometimes those things don't always feel like they make sense together. Um, 
I heard Emily Wapnick's TED talk on multi-potentiality for the first time back in like 2012 or so. And suddenly I was like, oh my gosh, there's nothing wrong with me. There are other people who want to do more than one thing, like, and it's okay. And it was almost like knowing that there were others and having that permission that it's okay to do other things was a total game changer for me. Cause I've always been someone who does all of the things. Um, and I just want to make sure that everyone else knows it's okay if you want to do all of the things, you know? (laughs) Here's an unsettling fact for you. 70% of cyber attacks are targeted at small and mid-sized businesses. You might be wondering how serious a cyber attack event is. Well, about half of businesses will become unprofitable within a month of being breached. Cyber criminals know smaller businesses may not have the resources to defend themselves from ransomware and malware. That makes smaller companies an easier target, and the ransoms collected can add up quickly. If you want to better protect your business, CrowdStrike has a solution for you. Falcon Pro by CrowdStrike is the cybersecurity solution your small business needs. It provides superior prevention from cyber attacks, detects malicious activity, and offers immediate response capabilities for your business. And it's all fully deployed in just minutes to protect your organization. Falcon Pro provides features like antivirus protection, firewall management, device control, and integrated threat intelligence, all in one cloud-based solution. With Falcon Pro, your systems are protected against all cyber threats, not just malware, even when devices aren't connected to the Internet. And you can say goodbye to sluggish antivirus scans and inconvenient reboots that delay your team's productivity. Rated 4.9 out of 5 by Gartner Peer Insights, CrowdStrike is the cybersecurity your team needs. Head to CrowdStrike.com parallel to start a free 15-day trial. That's CrowdStrike.com slash Parallel for a free 15-day trial of CrowdStrike Falcon Pro. Our thanks to CrowdStrike for their support of this show. I want to pivot to sort of just throwing it open to everyone to answer a few of these questions about why we do and how we do what we do. Uh, And I'll I'll pivot by telling the briefest version of my story, which is, yeah, my day job is as a radio producer and website administrator, uh, but my passions uh, are a couple of podcasts that I do. And then I write a book uh, once a year on accessibility for the iOS platform. So those are kind of big defined projects and the podcasts are, you know, scheduled. So it's it's not as if I'm trying to run full-fledged businesses, but I do have those individual pieces and I'm not willing to give any of them up, even despite the fact that one or the other of the things I'm doing is pressuring me and saying, maybe you don't have time. And I'm like, I can't hear you. My ears are covered, usually with headphones. Uh, so so I guess uh, one question I have and feel free, I'm not asking your, for your tax returns by any means, but I wonder to what extent side hustling is a financial imperative or if it gives you the ability to be independent, more independent than you might otherwise be if you didn't just sort of hunker down and, and do a day job. I think when I started, it was more out of curiosity, and I eventually saw that there was a financial benefit to doing it. I mean, I had a pretty stable um, kind of senior subject matter expert role within government, So, um, but I found that, that having this other business gave me different opportunities to do different things, and, and it was certainly helpful that way um, now as a single parent. Um, doing lots of things helps me 
have that um, comfort in knowing that, you know, if, you know, one thing isn't working, then there's like all sorts of other things. And there's lots of options to be flexible uh, and creative. I mean, I do work in um, freelance writing for publications or I write for organizations and I do coaching and consulting on diversity and inclusion issues. So there's all sorts of things that I do. And based on my energy level and what's feeling most aligned, I can or, or what I need from a financial perspective, I can push on one or the other and be able to meet my needs. So it's been really great to have a lot of options um, for sure. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not um, going to retire any moment to float down, you know, the Riviera drinking champagne, but it certainly um, makes life a lot more livable, especially in a place like the West Coast where um, housing and everything, breathing is very expensive. <laughs> Yeah. And it's a dicey proposition, you know, sometimes uh, also <laughs> just breathing on the West Coast. Um, <laughs> uh, we we have those stretches of time where it's maybe not the best idea to be breathing uh, on the West Coast. But um, uh, what I like about it is that um, like financially, uh, it's never been the point of what I was doing, uh, but it always sort of gives me maybe an opportunity to upgrade a little, like I can buy a little more storage on that new iPhone or I can uh, get a slightly nicer something, you know, like a, a nicer digital camera than I was maybe looking at or, you know, an extra memory card or something like that to just be a little bit more bonus. Um, mostly what I get out of it is sort of the outlet. Um, <clears throat> like, uh, Sarah was saying earlier that she was uh, doing better at work by having this other sort of thing going on. Uh, and that's that's part of what I like about it is not necessarily like, you know, my years of Apple commentary have well prepared me to tell you this thing, you know, for somebody that's having trouble resetting their password. But it's more about um, being able to maybe think about something creatively or um uh, you know, just having been well versed in all of this technology for this amount of time, because, you know, like for me, it's kind of all the same thing. Like I, I have analog hobbies, but uh, none of them are a side hustle yet because I haven't found anybody who's been that impressed with like stuff I can make out of yarn. So um, maybe I'll get some tips from Sarah later. There you go. Start something with resin. I want to, I want to uh, see but, what you're making out of yarn. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably well, a star it, Wars character. Uh, that sounds it? awesome. Uh, <laughs> Uh, not yet. Uh, I did get the Mandalorian crochet kit for Christmas and I haven't finished it yet, but, um, yeah, very on brand. Uh, but mostly what I like, I make like a lot of like dishcloths and things with little patterns in them. So like, you know, a dishcloth with the Starfleet logo, like is a nice thing to be sitting and, and knitting on while I'm doing, while I'm watching TV or, you know, listening to podcasts or books or something. Um, but like having, having the opportunity to, to sort of do all that stuff, like it's mostly just a lot of it is stuff I would be doing anyway, like talking to my friends about what Apple just announced or doing something in particular to, you know, spin up a class and help some people do a thing, um, help figure out, uh, you know, like what what other sorts of opportunities there are for people to be doing what they're doing. And then just because technology has gotten so much more per pervasive for everybody, um, having a handle on 
what things look like, how they operate, um, what's going to happen when my aunt calls me about the thing her phone is doing that is weird. And, you know, how does she figure out how to make that work? So making those things, uh, like making those things possible, a lot of it's just an extension of kind of what I was going to be doing already anyway, you know, helping people with their tech and, and, you know, relaying information about like, well, here's what Apple's up to. So maybe it's not the best time to buy a phone or a computer or uh, this is a really good time to buy something because a bunch of stuff just got released. And so you should really get one of those, you know, or whatever. Um, you know, being able to have those specific examples are, are kind of nice. Um, but like the financial piece of it was never as much of a factor. It was always just sort of nice to have um, kind of because like that part was sort of low impact. It wasn't like necessary because like my salary has always been pretty livable and everything anyway. So having like this little extra pile of like, this is something I can do for fun. Like, you know, this year it's going to be a pile to go to Disneyland, you know, and next year it'll be a new computer, you know, or something. And, and having that opportunity makes it nice to, to, to put those things together. So. Yeah. That resonates with me fully. Like everything that I've done as side hustles were always things that I would have done anyway. Um, and as it started, like I said, it made me better at my day job, but you know, same with you. Like when I had still had a day job, it was like, Oh, Hey, sweet. We can, you know, take that vacation or, you know, work, do that house project or whatever it is. But then as day jobs got toxic, it bought me time. It, it bought me time. <laughs> Um, it bought me time to make a leap because I already had um, regular income coming in from those things. So it's like, okay, I'm not starting from zero <laughs> if I leap today, um, which is where we got to a point where it's like, I'm, I'm, I thought I was going to be here at least another year and I'm done. Like, I know that today is the day. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to jump out and do my own thing. And having those side hustles already in place bought me the time and the freedom and the leeway to do that. Yeah, I've always felt like the toxicity of a day job, having a side hustle, if nothing else, makes you more confident in having an option. Maybe the side hustle wouldn't pay all your bills right away, but you would certainly feel more comfortable leaving if you needed to because you knew not only that you had some literal financial thing going on, you had something to do to occupy your time that you were good at and that you were excited about. And I mean, I went I went from side hustling for years and years to taking a full time job that had to do with what I had been side hustling, which is kind of a dream scenario. And I, I guess I wonder if any of you guys have been in in that kind of situation, maybe not literally that situation, but where the day where the skills that you have from your day job have bled into your side hustles or or vice versa. It sounds like, Kelly, that's you're all over that. Yeah. Like I kind of accidentally have a side hustle, you know, mostly. Uh, just because of what I, you know, what I was already doing, and then oh, by the way, was hap- you know, happened to be able to, uh, you know, make a little money off of that from time to time. Um, yeah, for me, within my day job, uh, I did a lot of writing, and I would do our annual, quarterly, monthly reporting and talking about, you know, how Indigenous people were um, impacted by different initiatives. And then that's now kind of something that I do within the context of the work that I do and in helping companies communicate about how their initiatives are impacting people. So it did end up being really transferable. Also doing a lot of, I used to lead strategic planning sessions within my 
um, day job. And now I do that with clients. So there was definitely a lot of transferable skills. When I first came on board and, and doing my own business, I felt like I had to discount all of my services because I didn't have a business degree. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of private sector experience and I wasn't sure if my public sector experience counted. And so I feel like I probably would be in a different place if I had valued my experience more and realized how transferable the skills were. Um, so that was definitely a lesson that I learned. Um, maybe maybe a little late, but it, it did give me a lot of opportunities and experiences and I definitely don't regret any of it. So definitely it's been um, really very related. And I mean, even I get to write sometimes about the work that I used to do um, and, and supporting some of that. So that's been really fun and nice to feel kind of old home week. I love that. Like I, I definitely, one of the things that I teach a lot of people that I work with is about transferable skills. Cause people say like, Oh, I'd love to do that. But just like you were saying, like, Oh, I don't have a business degree. I don't have this or, and there are so many transferable skills that go across so many jobs. Um, and I experienced the same thing with side hustling. It was like, well, I, like I said, my first side hustle was graphic and web design and marketing. And while I was working and working in marketing at the time, and I managed all of our websites and did all of the things and managed the budget for marketing. Um, and then like, as it, as it progressed, it was like, oh, well, I'm already doing podcasting. Now my day job, they want to start a podcast. Obviously they're going to talk to me about it. And then she sent me to go get some additional skills, which I use now for my business. So the things intermesh so much that, um, I think a lot of people don't realize that, um, just like Allison was saying, like, sometimes we don't realize like, oh, my experience is in this, like, oh, okay, but you do this, 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 and this along with that. And that totally transfers into something else. Reframing is really important. I think that's part of it. Like, um, you know, oh, I answer emails all day long. I couldn't be a copywriter. Like, think about that for a minute, because like literally what you're doing all day long is writing things that you want to make sure other people can understand. So they're clear and easy to follow and whatever. And, you know, it, it sometimes is just a matter of sort of taking a, a slightly different view on the thing that you've already got. And then being able to see the possibility that comes out of that. Um, Speaking of side hustles, this was never one I was paid for because I was all volunteer, but I, I volunteered for an organization called App Camp for Girls, and we would teach eighth and ninth grade girls uh, iOS development. They would build a complete app uh, by the end of the week and then pitch it to a panel of investors. And they started from all levels, and we just sort of went for it and presumed that everyone that was there was going to be able to do it, and every single person was always able to. And one of the things that we gave them was just sort of the the possibility, um, you know, you don't have to be an iOS developer. You don't have to use Objective-C or Swift or whatever. Um, but like, look that, you know, know that it's possible for you to maybe pursue a career in the thing that you want to do or that maybe that's something that you might be more interested in because there are a whole lot of ways to be in software development, which was kind of the thing we were trying to promote. There are a lot of ways to be in software development and not be a person who's hunched over a laptop 16 hours a day writing code. Uh, you know, and so it was always nice to see the moment when we would give them sort of this template and there was a bug built in so that we could talk to them about bugs and testing and, you know, what happens if somebody does something in an unusual way. And every single time there was always one person on every team whose eyes lit up when we got to there is someone out there whose entire job is just to do what you're not supposed to do and see what happens when you do it. And there was always one person on every team that went, 
(laughs) And there was, you know, almost always there was somebody who just looked at the app running the first time through and went, ooh. And there was somebody that went, you know, when we went, you're going to have to present a presentation to people with slides and stand up and talk in front of a whole room. There was always somebody that went, woo. And the moment when we can explain to people like this, this is a possibility. Like your whole job could just be breaking stuff that other people build, you know, using it in a weird way, doing something nobody's supposed to do. Hold your phone upside down see what happens. And, and seeing the opportunity in that and the possibility and what that skill can give you and and where you can take it is sometimes also like, you know, we get kind of stuck and get blinders on and only see the thing that we're doing, but don't see the trans the, the transferable opportunity in what some of those some of those things that you do every day might actually be. That's so awesome. I, I love that because and I, I love the way you sort of broke it out based on different people's what what their passion is, what drives them. I mean, I feel that way about getting to sit in front of a microphone and talking and having people pay me to do it. I'm just like, wait, oh, yeah. that's a job? I want that. And, you know, <laughs> once you figure, yes. once I figured out how to get it. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the, the logistics of, of how you do what you do. We've been through this pandemic. Um, and I, I assume that either before the pandemic or certainly since you've probably been doing your side hustles at home. But uh, now that we're looking at, I, I don't want to say the pandemic is over because it isn't, but the, the evolution of the pandemic and people sort of sticking their mm-hmm. heads out of their houses more. Where are you where are you working and where do you think you're going to be working in the future? I mean, I've been fortunate enough to work from home, even in my day job since 2014. Uh, all of the jobs that I perform now can be done from my home. So I don't anticipate working anywhere other than from my home. I've made my lovely office as soon as I quit all my day jobs because I was working in the same office then. I um, completely tore everything to the ground. I put up glitter wallpaper and <laughs> said, "Like this is going to be my happy place." And um, yeah, this is where this is where it all happens. Except with the exception of resin art happens in a very specific room downstairs that is dog hair free. <laughs> <laughs> um, I work from home also. However, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, our building was under construction. And they were like, it's going to be just a couple of months. And I was like, oh, I can do that. And then um, a couple of months turned into, um, uh, well, I mean, I moved out of that place in September and it was still under construction four months ago. So it was very difficult to try and do anything because there was constant thumping and drilling. I And I was recording. I, I mean, I do a lot of podcast interviews, so... I rented an office space that was a kind of a block from my house in a real estate office. I was some random weirdo who grabbed a spare office and was paying them $500 a month to hang out there and do my thing. But then they ended up with construction project behind them. And then there was construction noise there and I was still not able to work. So I ended up leaving and shifting my workday to be when it was not under construction. And um, then I moved into another apartment, which was also under construction. And that was only for three months. So I've had a few months of quiet, though I am at a, a co-working space today because um, people are getting new floors in our building and people are randomly hammering. 
So um, I was like, that is not on. So I'm at a very lovely co-working space. And we all appreciate it, I'm sure. All of oh, right. Or I, I go and sometimes I work at my boyfriend's house. He lives um, in a rural area. And you can like, maybe if you listen really closely, you might be able to hear the sounds of the highway in the distance. But it's like so dead quiet. He has to play music. So I'm like, <laughs> this is a lovely place. I once rented an office about three blocks from my house. This was a long time ago, probably 10 years ago. And it was in a nonprofit uh, organization, which was great because I loved the work they were doing, their environmental nonprofit. And so I could walk in and just feel good about uh, a friend of mine ran it and she rented me a little office in the back. And I tell that story not only just to tell you that story, but just to sort of ask about uh, the the sort of loneliness factor or the, the, the working by yourself, the sort of is, is there a need for socialization and human connection that you, you find a way to address? And, and, and Allison too, if you want to answer the question about, uh, or I'm sorry, Sarah, if you want to, and Sarah, if you want to answer the question too, about like where you work and how you work, that would be great as well. Well, I'll jump in and say that, uh, my day job, all of the work stuff that I do happens over here on the left side of my desk. I have a laptop with an external monitor attached and and that's where all of the the day job happens. Uh, I live on the West Coast and my day job is on the East Coast. So uh, everything on the left hand side of my desk is all East Coast time. And then the right hand side of my desk is my personal machine with its monitor and my podcasting setup and my microphone and everything. And so um, like there's basically a line down the middle of my desk and all that stuff happens over there. (laughs) All this stuff happens over here. Uh, Yeah. I was looking for a a way to kind of sort it out and I did have one monitor and I was switching between them and then ended up upgrading and getting two monitors so that I could have like a good, a solid couple of screens, you know, devoted to whatever I was doing. Um, At Mac Observer for the last couple of years, uh, we had a meeting every day and we would talk about um, like what was going on. And then we would talk about what we were going to do, because what I did at Mac Observer was hosted a show called Daily Observations. And so it was basically my lunch hour on uh, on my day job. I would sort of break for lunch, come over, come over to the right hand side of my desk, have my meeting, record a 20 minute podcast, publish a 20 minute podcast and then go back to work. Um, so it was a nice, a nice way to break up the middle of my day. I've been working from home since like 2010 or 2011. So, um, I had been really proud of myself in 2019 and very early 2020, uh, leaving the house every day and making a reason to have to get up and get dressed and go interact with another actual human being, whether it was just I'm going to go buy some lunch or I need to run an errand or you know do some grocery shopping or something just to have gotten out of the house and interacted with other human beings at some point over the course of my day. And uh, the, the pandemic put the skids to all of that. So that's been really weird to try to adjust to because I was like, look at me, functioning human, working from home. And then, you know, it kind of all fell apart. Um, but like having routines and having, uh, you know, uh, that's the work thing. And like, I don't have, you know, I have a work cell phone. So when I'm not working, I don't have to have that with me. And, you know, all those kinds of things, like being able to draw those big, big permanent marker lines between the personal stuff and, and the work stuff, has made a huge difference. And even with a, with, with side hustle, like all of that, making sure that it kind of fit in its own compartment. And I had a way to sort of shift gears in and out of those made a huge difference. 
Oh, I totally get that. Like when I still were, had a day job where I worked for someone else, this office looked like a space station because I also wanted to keep a level of separation. So I had two phones and then I had two computers. Um, so my home computer had at the time I had three monitors and then my work computer also had three monitors and I had them on two separate desks sitting side by side so that I just roll my chair from one to the other. But, um, it totally looked like a space station in here. It was ridiculous. Like (laughs) I was so glad to just send all of that equipment back. But as of now, where I don't have the day job anymore, what I do have, um, one, I have a fair amount of client interaction that is one-on-one. So that's very helpful. But also my grounding lifesaver is I have a friend group from a previous job where we all worked remote. And like I mentioned, one of the last jobs I have is quite toxic. So we are basically just all supporting each other in the background in a Skype chat. (laughs) None of us work at that job anymore, but we've all kept that Skype chat. So we chat every single day. So no matter what's going on, I've at least talked with another human. And like I mentioned, Mm -hmm. I'm rather rural. So um, one thing that I make sure that I do at my lunch break every day is I walk down to my mailbox, which is quite a little trek through the woods. <laughs> um, and I come back and now I feel like I've been outside at least. My husband and I do have an ongoing joke um, that he's going to put little gold car stickers on the uh, calendar on days that I actually like leave the premises, like leave the property. <laughs> um, so sometimes we have like the ongoing joke, like, ooh, two gold, two gold car stays in the stickers in a row. Like that, look at you go. Um, but other day, other times I'll be like, when's the last time I left this place? Like, I don't know. I feel like maybe I should leave. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be held accountable for how few times I've left the house in the past week. It's, it's embarrassing. Um, <laughs> yeah. I definitely have felt that, um, I've worked, you know, in my side hustles full time since, uh, I guess it was five years ago when I left the government. And, um, I mean, I, now, as a single parent, like I see my son, um, my boyfriend and I co-work sometimes because he works remotely. Um, but I really, there's lots of weeks where I only see the very nice lady who comes to clean my apartment. And <laughs> so we have really good conversations and she's a good friend now. Um, but yeah, there's lots of times where I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't left the house in like a week. Um, and I miss humans and I'm becoming the weird lady who talks to her plants. Um, <laughs> I have dogs I'm for that. On, right? I have, I have my cats. cats. I talk to the cats. Yeah. Yeah, I have cats. It's funny because there's a way in which the sort of separate, you're talking about technology, which was where I was going to go next, but there's a way in which the pandemic made it easier for me to separate the home from the work because even though I was doing all the stuff at home that I had been doing in an office for a while, they gave me equipment. They gave me a monitor. I had a laptop, but I never used to bring it home. I used to come home and do all my work. If I did any work work, I would Mm -hmm. do it on my home computer. And then when I brought the laptop home and set the monitor up on a VESA mount, I was just like, oh, well, this is my workplace now. But the iMac that I used to do my homework, my, my podcast work and my project work on, I'll just keep doing it that way. And so there was a weird way where even though I was doing everything in the same place, I was able to separate the pieces of my life more. And that was always really important to me, even though, I mean, I work for a, my, my organization is under the auspices of a public university. So there's a little tag on the back of the laptop that reminds me that it's not my computer. So I feel Mm -hmm. like I should be aware of what's on it at any given time (laughs) in case they come and get it, (laughs) which hopefully will not happen. Um, 
but yeah, I'd, I'd love to, to be beyond what we've, we've already talked about. I'd love to hear anything that you have to say about what you've done in terms of technology that makes it easier to do the multiple things you do, whether it has to do with separating uh, one project from another or just, you know, managing things in a way that makes it easier for you to keep track of where things are. How do you how do you compartmentalize stuff with technology? I mean, I start with systems for everything first and foremost, um, without any systems. Like, I, I mean, I have systems on top of my systems because in addition to having all of the things going at once, I also have ADHD. So I need to be like extra on top of the things. Um, so I have like the click up lists and then I have like the paper list and then I have like the calendar reminder schedules for everything. Like it's like, okay, from this time to this time, you're working on this business from this time to this time, you're working on this business from this time to this time, you're allowed to go mess around for a little bit. Cause I know you're going to get distracted. If I don't, if I don't put that in there somewhere, if I don't schedule distraction time, <laughs> it's going to come at a point that you don't want. Um, like that's the TikTok time. Um, <laughs> so Having, having systems and schedules and all the things that are going to pop up and hit me in the face with, hey, you have stuff that you need to be doing today. This is what you need to be working on right now is a really big one. Um, but also, I think like understanding what my limits are as well and understanding the... Uh, the trickiness that comes with it sometimes is, is interesting as well. Like just juggling all the things like, wait, am I supposed to be posting about this today? I don't know. Um, which is why I have all the systems in place, but also, um, automations. Oh gosh. Automations saved my life. Same here. <laughs> um, yes. anything that can be automated, I will automate it. Um, yeah, I, it was a game changer because when I was trying to do all the things by myself and manually, oh my good gracious, no. <laughs> I am a fellow adhd and um, yeah, I have a lot of systems. Um, but actually what I find is that finding where the common workflow can be so that all tasks from wherever are coming in kind of in a similar fashion. So I'm not having to make as many decisions. Um, and the look as many places has been helpful. When I first started side hustling, I literally had a journal that had different colored sticky notes for each project. And then I would put the individual task on the day that it was associated with. And if it was a recurring task, I would just move the sticky to the next day. And so that helped me visually track things. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately it ended up kind of evolving into more of an electronic system. But Definitely while I was learning how to juggle, that helped me from not dropping too many things. I totally get that. Like I have to have the electronic yeah. system, but I also have to have the paper system because I need something that's going to smack me in the face if I <laughs> get up in the morning and for whatever reason, forget that I have the electronic system, you know, like unless it's going to be like, it is right there. It's staring you in the face all day. You haven't done it yet. 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 I'm going to forget it exists. So like I have to balance mm -hmm. both for myself to, to be able to have that work for me. I have to have both. Yeah. Uh, I just want to go ahead and thank Shelly for apparently starting another podcast where uh, Sarah and Allison and Kelly are all going to go talk about being ADHD <laughs> and what kind of systems we all have in place to oh, help I thought we were going to talk about automation on track. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and, well, I mean, that'll that'll be, you know, a fair number of episodes will be about automating all the stuff yeah. that just uh, goes against every fiber of my neurodivergent being. <laughs> 
um, because having to go click the box and scroll down and type the thing and put in the date and check the other box like every single day um, offends me. Like (laughs) it like it's going to stop happening. There's going to be a point where it's just no. Absolutely. Sweetie, not happening. Um, So uh, I have the same sort of thing like um, systems and, and structure and, you know, having a lunch break every day and having an alert go off that says, hey, this is when you get to have your lunch break. Maybe you're hungry. Maybe you're not. But this is when you are not obligated to anything else that's supposed to be happening, uh, you know, and and trying to set up some structure, uh, you know, uh, IT consulting can sort of be interrupt driven depending on the day. Um, but, uh, trying to set up, you know, these are the things that sort of generally should happen in the morning. This should generally happen in the afternoon and being able to stake out some sort of overall, uh, you know, portions of time where this is the thing I'm going to try to be working on, you know, hope, you know, as long as, as long as nobody's internet's down and nobody, everybody's email is all getting where it needs to go, then, you know, this is what I should be up to and being able to even have those vague, sorts of blocks of time uh, and then uh, specific stuff and figuring out like, um, you know, for, uh, for, I want my MCU TV to be like, well, the show comes out on this day. So that's when I need to watch it. And this is the day we're going to record. And this is when I'm going to be doing the editing for that so that that show can go up in a timely fashion. And, you know, and, and if there's other things that come up, you know, being able to sort of slot those in here and there, depending on, uh, what kind of time I have and uh, a lesson I continually have to learn is, um, you know, it's okay. No is a complete sentence. <laughs> and uh, uh, just because I want to doesn't mean that there are physically enough hours in the day that are of mine that are unobligated. That means that it's something that I can do, even if I really want to, uh, you know, maybe the best I can do is just cheer on the, the other person who's going to end up doing it because, you know, it should happen. And I really wanted it to be me, but like I have 19 other things happening right now and that's just not going to be a possibility. And so uh, that is something I end up having to learn. Get that. Regular, on, a, on a semi-regular basis. Another one that I use a lot is brain dumps. Like I have an ongoing brain dump list. Actually two, I have two mm-hmm. ongoing brain dump lists that I refresh <laughs> every month. One is a personal one so that when something pops into my head, I have to get it out because otherwise it's going to keep mm-hmm. nagging at me. Um, so I, and then I can't think about anything else yes. because I got to make sure I don't forget the thing that I'm trying to not forget. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Or my brain is just going to hyper focus on it and be like, you let's make stickers today. Let's make stickers. Let's make stickers. Let's make stickers. Let's make stickers until I'm like, no, we can't make stickers. Like, let's just put that on a list for later. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I have the ongoing brain dump for the business and the ongoing brain dump for personal fun stuff. Um, and I, I can, I'm allowed to dump stuff in there all month. And then I refresh it at the end, at the end of the month for the next month. I'm not good at that part. I take I take notes. I use a, a app called Drafts, and I will put notes in drafts, and then I have tags. So it could be a work thing. It could be a podcast thing. It could be a personal thing. And I'm really good at putting those down, but I'm not good at going back and reviewing them. And I know people have productivity regimes that involve reviews, and that's the part that just drives me crazy. I just can't, I can't bring myself to go back and like do that. Similarly, I can't allow, I can't be a slave to notifications because if the machine starts telling me I have to do things, I get mad at it. Like, who are you to tell me what to do? So this sort of sabotages me a little bit. I get that with notifications, but it's not always a, who, who do you think you are to tell me what to do? It's, well, I have to, the notifications there, I have to, I have to address that. I have to address that. So if I don't turn the notifications off, they just become a distraction. I get that. Right. But then they become noise there. Yes. Then, then it's just part of the landscape and, and ignoring them. So I try to be very, uh, 
regimented on what actually gets to alert me. And I have a wa- I have an Apple Watch, so um, I'm even more regimented about what gets to note what gets to go all the way to my arm as a notification mm-hmm. for me. Um, so like, there's stuff that is also allowed to show up, like deliver quietly coming to iOS was a huge feature. Like it can be there for as a thing I I wish to see when I have time to look, but you don't need to interrupt the middle of whatever thing it is I'm actually doing that might verge on productivity in order to tell me somebody liked an Instagram picture or something. So being able to go see that later at my leisure was, is a massive, massive productivity boost. Like I know it's there and I'm not going to miss it if I don't want to, but if I don't care about it, I can just, you know, clear the, clear the notifications and it's not a big deal. So that's been huge for me is just making sure that what I'm notified about is stuff I actually need to be notified about and setting that bar really high. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm still working on that a little bit, but Let's zoom out a little bit. We've and I, I think we could probably do a whole show on the nitty gritty side of uh, managing our. Uh, in my case, I'm probably a little OCD. I probably want to move the little blocks for in Trello like one at a time and add tags. And you know, I, I, I am comforted by the by the rhythm and the regime. So anyway, <laughs> uh, but I, I want to ask each of you what advice would you give somebody who may be listening to this and they're they're inspired to side hustle something. Maybe they know what they want to do, but they don't know how. The day job is kind of the thing that owns their life, but they, they don't know how to just take that step off the cliff, so to speak, and, and get, get into a, a side hustle that may give them more creative freedom and happiness. I mean, I would say one, make sure that the side hustle is something that is absolutely going to add to your life and not subtract. That's absolutely step one. And outside of that, it's making sure that you're setting aside a realistic amount of time every week and having boundaries around that, setting the boundaries for yourself. Like, obviously we all want to set boundaries with our places of work, but we need to set boundaries when the hustle is our own as well, because that's a sure path to burnout if you don't. Um, So making sure that it's, yeah, I really want to work on this isn't turning into, oh gosh, I have to work on this. Um, So, and I think, again, the the two biggest ways that you can ensure that that's going to be the case are to make sure that the side hustle is something that really lights you up and to make sure that you're setting an appropriate amount of time and adjusting as needed, because sometimes we're really excited about it in the beginning and then it becomes a burden later. Mm -hmm. I would say to tack onto that, um, make sure it's going to be worth the trade, because like if it's something that you're doing that's 100 percent you, there's going to be parts of it that are going to not be the parts that you like, whatever they are. So um, if you have to do all of it front to back, um, is the admin piece the part that you really enjoy or, you know, is paperwork abs? You know, do you believe there to be a ring of hell for, for paperwork? And if that's the case, like think about like what would be the worst piece of it? Is it worth the trade off to get to do to get to have the side hustle that you want to have? And if because I feel like that's the secret. Like, yeah, I can fill out some paperwork because then I can do this because it's part of this awesome thing. It's the part, it's the thing I really care about. And if you can make that trade off, then yeah. And I would say from there, um, like sit down with like a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be a notebook. It doesn't have to be anything like that. Just take a piece of paper or, you know, back of an envelope and write down like, what is the thing you want to do? You know, I want to bring, I want to bring this particular uh, you know, product out into the world. Okay. So to do that, like, you know, and then just from there, get down smaller and smaller and smaller steps, you know, until you get to what the very first step is, you know, I need to, 
I need to register a domain name. Okay, then, you know, go do that. And then, you know, figure out from there kind of what kind of momentum you need for that. And also to try it because, uh, you know, a, a thing I tell people a lot is like you, it, when you go to do it, it may not go the way you think it will, but the amount of stuff that you learn about it so that you can try next time and get even further, do even better, be even more successful. Like that's the piece that will probably make you happy. Particularly like, I think the reason you, you, uh, I don't know how accidentally ended up with, uh, three neurodivergent folks on here is because like, we need to make all the parts of our brains happy and doing the same thing every day is not a good way to do that. So if you want to be a person, if you want to continue to, you know, expand that, learn new stuff, figure out how to do those things, uh, you will continue to want to do that, to do something, uh, that maybe isn't the thing that, that, uh, you do, you know, nine to five or whatever. So, having that, having that opportunity and then being able to stake out, you know, the hour after dinner every night is when I do this or whatever. Um, you know, I like setting hard time limits because I'm also kind of competitive against myself. How much of that paperwork can I get done in an hour? You know, I'll show you timer, you know, that kind of thing. And, and like, but, but absolutely do it because it's so much because, you know, like, even if you fail spectacularly at the thing you're trying to do, it'll be a really good story in, in a few years, right? Like, wow, look back at that time, you know, that thing completely imploded. Uh, but also like the knowledge you get from that will help you figure out, uh, you know, what, what you want the next thing to be as you do something else to make that other side of your brain happy. That is not particularly fulfilled by whatever it is that your day job is for you right now. So go do it. For sure. ADHD brains love novelty. So um, that is awesome. And we love gamification and getting rewarded from, um, you know, positive client feedback and money in the bank and orders coming in and PayPal notifications are, you know, yay. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say it's important to um, make sure that you have scheduled in time to maintain the relationships that are really important to you. Uh, to make sure that you leave in time for the wellness things that are really important to you. Um, you know, and, and when you transition, if you end up transitioned to just a, a bunch of um, side gigs, making sure that just because you have the flexibility to have those things happen doesn't mean they're going to happen, right? Like you still need to make them happen. You still have to do the things. Mm -hmm. So that can be uh, something that can be an adjustment. But um, really, I found finding a low stakes way to try things was really helpful. Like I was thinking about adding transcription as a service at one point. So, you know, I subcontracted through an existing kind of mega supplier so I could try it out. And if I failed, well, oh, well, you know, I haven't disappointed anybody individually. It just wasn't something I enjoyed doing. Um, and then, uh, you know, I got to try the reality of it and then decide if it was a suite of offers that I wanted to add. Um, so that was something that I found was just testing it low scale and seeing um, if it was something I wanted to integrate um, and really continually keeping time, a time to kind of take stock of how things are going. I find going to a different environment really helpful, like physically to be able to keep a list of this is working, this isn't working. And, you know, I, we kind of have like a, um, a benchmark where like I asked my son, like, 
what is happy mommy like? And he's like, happy mommy cooks. And so what are the things that bring me closer to happy mommy? And what are the things that take me closer away from happy mommy? And really kind of making decisions based on the how often am I in the kitchen indicator. I don't love that. That's great advice. I tell a lot of my clients that are saying that they need to change careers in some way and they don't know what they want to do to ask themselves the same three questions at the end of every day. Like, what gave me energy today? What drained my energy today? And what did I learn today? Or what did I learn about myself today? And after you do that for a good 30 days, you'll definitely start to see some patterns emerge of like, ooh, this stuff is just draining me dry and I shouldn't be doing this, these things. And, you know, like, oh, these things are making me really happy. They're like, I could do these things forever and ever and ever. Um, and that's that can be really, really telling. All great advice. Thanks, everybody, for that. I want to thank all of you guys for being on Parallel. This has been so great. And so dare I use a word that I hate to use because it rarely means what it should mean, but it's it's been really inspiring to me as somebody who tries to do a lot of things and hopes to do them well. Uh, and we always end Parallel with a one more thing question uh, where you get the opportunity to be a little, a little whimsical, a little out there, have a little uh, free association. And so my one more thing question for all of you is, if you could pick any side hustle to add to your life or perhaps even replace something that you're already doing, regardless of talent or financial need or uh, any of those sort of silly practical things, uh, what would you add to your life as a side hustle? Easy. I would add um, something that would have to do with dogs. It would be like a whole dog suite. It'd be like dog training, dog boarding, bandanas for dogs, specialized collars <laughs> and leashes for dogs. That's that's what I would do. <laughs> nice. Um, I am actually taking yoga teacher training right now. So I don't know if I will be an exceptional yoga teacher. However, I'm learning a lot of things and I'm learning that when I do yoga with other people, I'm more likely to actually do yoga. So it is, this training <laughs> is helping me actually get my practice in and it's reminding me how much I love it and um, helping me squeeze it in. And I have to keep my props very visible places, very close to where I am so that I can just drag them when the moment um, arises. So yeah, so probably... Um, I, we've talked about opening like a retreat center where people can come do yoga and do writing and maybe dream about their marketing and strategic objectives if they feel like it. <laughs> I thought I had an answer, but now I just want to sign up for the yoga retreat, the yoga writing retreat and all of that. Um, uh, I think probably just to go back to, uh, you know, talking about, uh, you know, at the beginning kind of, Hey Kelly, what's your deal? Um, I would want to do a radio show. Uh, I really, uh, I did a radio show in college, uh, where I got to be a co-host. Uh, somebody had an established show and said like, I can't ever go pull records from anywhere. Very interesting because the phone rings the whole time. So I can only play the stuff that I can reach, you know, really quick. So I ended up getting on the show by saying, if you would play my requests, I will answer the phone for you all night. Um, and he agreed. And so, um, uh, getting to have like the community that kind of builds around something like that. And then also just getting to go like, here's a lot of stuff I like to listen to. And then, you know, people can request things and, you know, get to listen to more. I really love music. 
Um, one of the things that used to be my outlet was a monthly karaoke meetup where everybody would get together and, and, and sing. We have private suite karaoke here in town and a bunch of nerds would get together and sing Jonathan Colt songs. It was awesome. And, uh, having the opportunity to like find new music from people who call and really want you to play it because they love it and being able to share, like, I have this record that I think everybody really needs to hear because your life will be better once you do, you know, that kind of thing. Like, um, that would probably be. Uh, what what mine would be and even the most tedious part of being a dj would be worth the trade-off to have a radio show so uh, i can already answer my own question to myself <laughs> that would actually that would absolutely be the case you know i probably wouldn't mind that either although my answer is going to be i i want to be the rhythm guitarist in a moderately successful americana band and by that i mean we travel oh. occasionally but we're not on the road all the time and i can play my red uh telecaster and it would make me happy to do that well, this has been really a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed have, talking to all of you. And before we go, I want to give each of you the opportunity to tell folks where they can find all of the many things you do online. Sarah Hockett, it was so great to get to know you and to talk to you. So tell people where they can find you on the internet. Sure. Um, to make things simple, uh, if you want to find out about all the things that I do, you can find me at sarahockett.com. That's Sarah with an H and H-O-C-K-E-T-T. Um, you can also check out specific businesses. Um, Explore Story Studios is my podcast, audiobook, voiceover business. Uh, Sorry for Your Boss is my career coaching business, sorryforyourboss.com. And um, resin, as in like epoxy resin, resonatingdesigns.com is my epoxy resin website. Awesome. And Allison Tedford, was lovely talking to you. Where can people find you and all the things that you do online? Um, thank you. Uh, people can find me on my website at allisontedford.com. And they can find my books on Amazon, um, amazon.com, if you're in the States or .ca in Canada. Um, my book, Stay Woke, Not Broke, is coming out April 5th. So watch for it. Excellent. Kelly Gamont, I know where people can find you sometimes over at The Incomparable, where you and I have been known to be on a podcast or two together. But yes. you do many other things. So please tell people about all of them. Uh, well, let's see. Um, I mentioned before over at The Incomparable, my show is called I Want My MCU TV, where Don Melton and Lisa Schmeiser and myself talk about uh, the new show on Disney+. Plus. Uh, from the Marvel Universe. So uh, we are uh, gearing up for Moon Knight coming at the end of the month. We're all uh, on a, a, a regimen of light calisthenics and everything ahead of time. Um, you can find me over there when Westworld is on the air. I don't know if they're going to air that the same time as a Disney show. If they do, Don and I are going to be really pressed for time for everything. Um, you can find me doing that show called Greetings from the Uncanny Valley over at The Incomparable. Otherwise, occasionally shooting my mouth off about Star Wars or helping to derail a game show uh, on The Incomparable. Those are things that have been known to happen. And uh, you can find me over at theslice.tech as is my website where um, I have an interview going up either later today or tomorrow, um, depending on on what the rest of my afternoon ends up looking like, um, to talk about uh, iPhones and 5G. And uh, there's a little bit of stuff there now, but you can go... Uh, that you could go read and there will be more uh, video and the podcast feed uh, will be set up over there soon. And if you still haven't had enough of what I have to say, you can also find me on Twitter as Verso. 
Excellent. And you can keep a track of this show over at relay.fm slash parallel. You can also follow us at Parallel Pods on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y on Twitter, accepting your guest suggestions, your hopefully positive feedback about the show. Thanks to all of my guests for being here on Parallel today. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Bye now. <laughs>